1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we urge you and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, we Uh, He who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed you do so toward all brethren who are in uh, Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you and that you may walk properly towards those who are outside, and that you may lack nothing. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. We by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout in the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these things. Father in heaven, we are so unworthy to be in your presence, Lord, um, yet you are in our midst, you are within us. as we confess um, our loyalty and our, and our love and uh, the reality of who you are, Lord, by confession of our mouth, we shall be saved, Lord. I pray that tonight we, um, these would be your words and not mine, Father. I pray that you would push me out of the way and get right in the middle and the thick of what is going on in our everyday lives, Father, that this would not be a call of condemnation, Lord, but this would be a call to repentance and love and to a deeper pursuit of you, Lord, as we, as we look into something that is so kind of culturally uncomfortable as we are lied to consistently by our um, in-and-out everyday culture, Lord. This is something that is countercultural, not subcultural, Lord, and, and, and we don't want to back down from the truth that you provide us through your word, Father. So I pray that we would not back down. I pray that you would uh, be my strength and give us all strength tonight as we endeavor to learn more about you through your word. All these things we pray. <clears throat> Amen. Um, so kind of verses 1 through 8 could kind of be like our, our first section um, that we're going to break down. And, and I kind of broke it up into three points that I, I want to get across. Um, first point being, uh, the goal isn't purity. The goal is relationship with Jesus. The goal isn't purity. The goal is relationship with Jesus. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God. See, see, this is, this is Paul looking at this, this Thessalonica church and, and he wants, he, he's so happy with the current state of where it is that he wants to, it cont- to continue. 
And in order for it to continue, he's, he's going to give them uh, the commandments. He's going to give them a set of rules passed down by Jesus that he is, he is encouraging them to follow because it's the representation of their faith. And, and he abound more and more, and it's to keep growing. Okay, the call of the Lord is not to keep stagnant and, and be, be happy with where you're at. Right now, spiritually, it's, to, it's a never-ending process while we're here on this earth. But ultimately, we do this in, in our walk. Paul loves the illustration of walking. He, you see it all over the New Testament. But illustration that you ought to walk and to please God. And, and, and the reason that we do this is, is the reason we... Uh, are called to abound more and to grow deeper and deeper is to please God. That is the, the reason that we are here to glorify God. And, and, and how do we know how to please God? Well, you, you have to know him. <laughs> you have to know him through his word. You have to know him through prayer. It's, it's a relationship. You talked about it. It's, it's almost cliche. We just beat you over the head with this word relationship in this Christianese kind of way that you have to have a relationship with the Lord, but it's truth. It really is truth. But the thing is, in verse 2, it says, For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so we see, as Paul writes this letter to Thessalonica, that these are not Paul's words. These are commandments given by Jesus. Thus, it is, it is, they're, they're, they're marching orders. <laughs> they're marching orders. And, and it's, 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 it's this idea of law. It's this idea of grace that, that, that we consistently struggle with, right? We'll, it's just, the Bible is just a book of rules that, that, I have to, that I have to obey by. And this is life. It sounds miserable, right? <clears throat> and we'll get into more of that later. But in verse 3, it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. So sanctification um, is to, to, to be set apart essentially, and that you should look differently, your life should look differently um, as we dive into sexual immorality. Um, kind, of, kind of the Greek standard um, during this time was, was just kind of sexual chaos and to delve into whatever you wanted. <laughs> and, 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 and obviously he's writing this for a reason because he felt that this was, a, this was a problem in the church. They were growing, they were in Jesus, and they followed the Lord, but this was a problem that they faced day in and day out. Um, in, in my findings, and I was, I was reading through David Guzik's commentary, he, he talked about uh, one of the philosophers during that time, uh, Demosthenes. And, and it was to the culture, the sex culture, the, um, uh, the current state in which they lived in. It says, we keep prostitutes for pleasure. We keep mistresses for the day-to-day needs of the body. We keep wives for the faithful guardianships over our homes. Sad, isn't it? Like it, like, there, there was no man, there was no wife, there, 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 was, there was this idea of marriage, <clears throat> but you were allowed to, to go outside of that. And culturally, that was acceptable. And, and to hear, to abstain from, from sexual immorality was such a, a different, different ideal. It was, it was so countercultural that they've never heard it before because this is the day that, this is the culture that they grew up in. This is something that they, they, they had to, to wrap their heads around. This is something that they had to endeavor in. This is something that they had to pursue the Lord in. The Lord in. Because it was hard. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you right now, because as, as Paul was writing Thessalonica, so the Lord is speaking to us in our current day and age. You think sex isn't prevalent? Obviously it's prevalent. 
You see culture, we're inundated with it, even just looking at the, the Super Bowl last weekend um, and, and the commercials that it brings about. And, and what, what is a cultural norm of today, even 10 years ago, was not the cultural norm. The commercials that you see, the things that you're inundated with, you're like, well, it's not that bad. It's not full-on pornography. It's not full-on intimate settings that we're seeing. It's just a girl in lingerie. It's no big deal. But, but, but that's the thing. It's, it's, it's this idea of, of dehumanizing women and men. It's this idea that, 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 that we're, it's not that big of a deal. And, and your morality, your conscience gets, gets seared a little bit more and seared a little bit more and seared a little bit more until it's just another commercial that you watch. And you just zone out and you numb out and, and, and you think it doesn't have effect on your physical being, but it truly does. In chapter 4, the thing is, is that even though Paul says that this is countercultural, it says that each of you, so the same for everyone involved in this current uh, teaching, should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. So each of you should know at your core. You might have, you might have uh, questions about those gray areas. You might have questions, well, how far is too far if I'm a Christian? If you're asking that question, I think you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> how far... How far away from Jesus are you willing to go? See, you are in control of your own vessel. This is something that strikes directly into the hearts of these people. And the thing is, is that for the first time, it's, it's like Paul's giving them like this responsibility. It's in their hands responsibility. It's, it, it's no longer, it's something that they didn't know. It's no longer, well, I mean, that's just what everyone does. Why, why do I have to be different? And, and that, that attributes to your testimony, which we'll talk about more. Um, but in chapter 5, which is kind of the continuation of 4, it says, Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. The passion of lust. See, see he's kind of just skimming over it here as, as we read a lot. I mean, we read how many? 18 chapters. And, and, and to really do it justice, I mean, we could really delve into what this means, that you, um, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that you are in control of your own vessel, that you know. But, but, but we speak directly to that, and why, why I wanted to bring up is the Beatitudes is that I started reading Matthew again, and I started reading about Jesus, and I started getting excited, and I started understanding that my relationship with the Lord should be at the forefront of everything that I do. And, and what, what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say about sexual immorality? It's, not, it's no longer just the action, like we see in the Old Testament, and when we go through the law, it's no longer just the action of adultery. It's no longer the action of sexual sin, but it's your heart's condition. It's your heart's condition. In Matthew 5, 28, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a man lustfully or a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his own heart. And so when we say looks, it is, it is, it is that lustful intention. It is that lustful intention, and, and this can be attributed to, to pornography, which is kind of at like the forefront of when we think of sexual immorality to, to sex outside of marriage, but, that, but, but it also, also applies to the things that aren't so extreme. The things that aren't so extreme, it's, it's, the, it's the pages that you visit on Facebook, it's the things that you read, right? Fifty Shades of Grey, whatever. <laughs> the new movie's coming out. 
and, and yeah, back and forth, whatever. It's just words. They're not just words. Um, the thing is, is that it's a lustful intention. So it's a lustful intention. For, for girls, it's, it's like guys are very uncomfortable because they say the word pornography. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Um, and what that means, essentially, for women... It, it can be something completely different. Even though statistically women are watching more important porn, it's, it's, it's also the intent of lust. It's the intent of, of wanting something that isn't yours. It's the intention of wanting something that isn't yours. So, so, so that maybe that is a past relationship that you had that you wish you still could be in because you thought that they were the one, but it, it blew up in flames, but there was passion, there was an excitement, there was fulfillment there. Yet, yet you, you long for that relationship and you look back and I'm saying, I'm not saying this completely is, is for women because guys do it too. I, I'm, I'm, I've been guilty of this in the past as well to look to a past relationship and not to see the bad but to lustfully intent of doing wrong by going back to that person because I know it wasn't of the Lord but I still want it in, in my spirit and this was a heart issue. This was somewhere that I didn't want to go. This was somewhere that, that my intention when I pursue the Lord, shouldn't be at, but yet it was still there. So we're going to look at this idea of purity and what that means. Um, see, and it goes on in verse 6, that no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. It's your lustful intent, as I said before, but in 1 Corinthians 6.18, it says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sin a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. It's different. This is a, a direct sin against your own body. This is a direct sin against your own flesh. I am, I am in the midst of, of being a newlywed, and, and I can see the, the scars of my past. But the thing is that this isn't for condemnation's sake. This is just for the reality of where I've come from. To the Lord has sanctified. The Lord has purified me. The Lord has given me the opportunity to love again and to sex, to, to have sex again. Because something I don't want you to get the wrong impression of, that, that the Lord is angry with sex because the Lord created sex. Right? The Lord was, was directly involved with the creation of sex but he, he created for certain parameters, not, not just because of this, this holy agenda, because it is, it is the best environment for that action. It is the best environment for that action because this is not something that is, and the world is going to tell you culturally that sex is just a physical act, but it is so much more than that. It is emotion, it is mind, it is spirit. And, and it is literally the mingling of souls, as it says. It literally says the mingling of souls. So when you have sex with someone outside of marriage, you are connected to their soul. And, and, and when, when those part ways, you, you have this longing to be connected again spiritually, but you don't understand what that is, and, and you, you look for more fulfillment in that way, so you go further and further down the rabbit hole if you're not pursuing Jesus. Does that make sense? 
But the thing is, is that when it's in marriage and you, you, you pursue the person that you want to marry, you pursue the person in mind. You pursue the, the person in spirit. And, and you want to know about the person, right? When you first go on a date, you, you learn about them. You, you, you interact with them. You ask them questions about who they are, right? And then, then you want to know where their spiritual life is. And then, boom, does that just mean we have sex? No, that means you keep growing. You keep growing. Sex is a gift. It's not a right. You guys have to understand that. And, 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 and I, I wish I could delve more in, in, into this, but, but, but as I said, the goal is impurity. It's, the goal is relationship with Jesus. And, and, and this, is, this is an area of the church that's it's, 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 it's dirty <laughs> because of what the church has kind of done with it. And, I'm, and there's been good and there's been bad because there has been, there has been, you are an abomination, there has been condemnation, right? That if, 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 you, if you go outside of the spectrum, you are no longer pure, you're no longer worthy and you just get whatever is left over and then maybe you get married one day and then God will bless it. Right? That's that's not right. The pursuit of purity, this movement of purity, it's 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 can 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 be miscued so easily. Because this idea of purity is that is that we have to to abstain from things of this world so that so that we can walk in righteousness and then we walk in purity. But but what 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 Jesus says is that you in believing in me, you are pure. Okay, and we'll go into the, the idea of holiness in chapter 8, or in chapter 7, sorry. For God did not call us into uncleanness, but into holiness. And, and you see this in, in the Old Testament, you see this idea of holiness. You see this idea of holiness, and that does not just pertain to, to um, morality. It pertains to who God is. You see that with, with the burning bush and, and, and Moses. You see it like, literally, he, he could not get close to it because of who God was, and, and that wasn't even, it was just the, the form of fire. You see it um, in, in, as they built the temple, you see the, the book of Lamentations, or not the Lamentations, sorry, the book of Leviticus, as, as a series of laws that you must abstain from, or do follow, so that you can enter into the temple, you can enter into the area where the Lord God resides. You enter into holy, holy. You must abstain from, from t- touching um, dead people and, and, and uh, infected flesh and bodily, bodily uh, secretments and, and, and <laughs> all of these things. You have these lists, right? You have these lists. And the idea is that you have to get pure for a certain amount of time before you can walk into the temple or you'll be struck dead just by the pure fact that God is holy, his holiness is, is something that cannot be, it, it cannot be tainted. So the existence of his holiness is, is like the sun. The closer you get, the hotter it is, right? And so this idea of holiness, and then, and then you see um, kind of these prophecies in, in, in Isaiah, as, as you see the commission of Isaiah, um, after, after we're going from the temple and we're going to Isaiah and, and it's talking about Jesus. But, but in his commission, um, what does he say? I had it somewhere. No, it's not here. That's okay. Um, essentially, the commission of, of, of 
Isaiah is this vision that he has of being in the temple, but knowing that he's unclean and him being scared. But a, but a, um, a seraphim, a sixth-wing angelic figure, essentially, who is, who's praising the Lord. There's multiple people praising the Lord in this temple, comes down and, and grabs the coal, grabs the coal from the temple and touches it to his lips, right? And, and he is made pure. He is made pure. So it's not the idea he is coming into the temple impure and he is made pure by, by the, the reaching out, of this angelic figure, which is, which is what we kind of point to Jesus because this is, this is where we want to land, is that, that Jesus kind of flipped this idea on its head of, of purifying yourself before approaching the Lord. That the Lord approaches you in his perfection. He approaches you in his holiness and he reaches out through his entire ministry and he touches people physically, Right? In Jewish custom, to even touch someone with leprosy or, or all these ailments, you yourself would become impure. But the mere fact that he reached out and touched them, they became healed. They were healed by his mere touch. So this idea of purification lies within the heart. But is, is Jesus pursuing us? Jesus reached out and touched the people, and they were healed. So this, this idea of holiness we see that the Lord and Christ is, 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 wanting, is, is wanting us to realize that, that, that even though you are struggling with lust and even though you are struggling with sexual immorality, even if that's not a, on a physical action, but it's just a mindset or maybe it's just looking at something or maybe it's just reading something, know that if you profess Christianity, that you are pure that you are not tainted, that you do not need to cleanse yourself in order to go to the Lord. It's, it's a call of not of condemnation, but it's a call of repentance. And understanding that your pursuit of the Lord is more important than your pursuit of everything else. And the closer you are to Jesus, the harder it is to bring your filth with you. We look, at, we look at Paul in the beginning of the ministry as, as, as he is called by the Lord into ministry to proclaim his name. We see that he, he, he identifies himself as a sinner and then, and then he goes out into the world and he preaches his name and he goes on two pilgrimages and he's all over the place and he's preaching the Lord and he's a pretty awesome guy at the end of the day. But what does he say at the end of the ministry? End of his ministry, he says, I am the chief of all sinners. The closer you are to Jesus, the more you understand the depth of your sin. And the more you want to abstain from that sin because, because repentance is not just saying, I'm never going to do that again. It's understanding you love the Lord. You love Jesus so much that you hate your sin. That you hate your sin and that you want to turn away from it. Lord, be my strength. Pull me away from this sexual immorality and pull me into holiness, Father, because you have called me redeemed. You have called me holy. You have called me chosen. And we need to live accordingly. You need to sanctify yourself, to set yourself apart because you in your life as a Christian is a testimony to everyone else around you. And if, yeah, we all struggle with temptation, 
The, light, the, the Bible talks about that. We talked about that last week, that even Jesus himself was tempted and, and, and the idea that, that temptation itself is not sin and that, that the Lord was, Jesus as a man was tempted and brought up to this line, but he never crossed it. So he understands where you're at and it's a call and understanding that it's a position of your heart, but it's also that when you step over that line, that you do not need to purify yourself in order to come back, but this does not mean that you should keep sinning so that grace may abound, right? So Paul says that. The idea is, is that you want more of Jesus and you are dead to yourself and that you crucify yourself daily so, so that you may live for Christ. And, and we're going to get into more of this later as, as I talked about, but, but, but I want to get back to this idea, this idea of... of um, sanctification, which is, which is setting yourself apart for the glory of God, because this is your testimony as Paul writes to them. As, as we look into, um, as we look into a, a call for brotherly love, we call, call for servitude, a call um, to really abstain from things that other people are doing, because these are the things that our Gentiles are doing on a day-to-day basis, and, and we need to proceed as Christians. We need to proceed not out of legalism, not, as, not out of a, a set of rules that we need to follow, but out of our love for Jesus and understanding that, 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 that you have a testimony to the people around you, as I said before. But, but what you have to understand is that it's not just sexual immorality. It's not just that action that, um, that is sin. You've got to understand that the act of sexual immorality, the act of having sex with someone, the act of, of looking at porn, the act of reading, the act of comparison and, 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 and coveting is, is a sign of something deeper. It's a, it's a, it's a deeper-rooted issue than just that act of, of acting sexually impure. It's something that is deep within our, in our flesh well, cause that, we need to, that we want to fulfill, that we want to understand, whether that be loneliness whether that be insecurity, whether that be dissatisfaction, you can go on and on and on with, with these, deeper, these deeper problems that we're having with ourselves and we're looking to find fulfillment in things that give us a rush in the moment. I'm not going to tell you that sex isn't fun because it is, but when it's outside of marriage, it's unfulfilling. And not only is it unfulfilling, it's detrimental to not only yourself, but the person that you're having sex with, to your family, to your future family. But ultimately, it is, it is, it is act against God. It is an act against God that you are turning away from, from him wanting to love you. It's an act of turning away from him offering eternal life with him basically to be the bride of Christ and saying, no, I don't want it. When, when you are a follower of Christ is what I'm saying. And so we see, we see, we see pornography. We see, we see um, even, even just in movies, rated R has been expanded over the last few years. It's, it's, been, it's been cultivated into our environment. The world tells us that we need more and more sex, and you need to do it in more unique and darker ways. It's, 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 it's a slippery slope, but it's, it's, it doesn't just start at this dark end of the spectrum. It's something that is progressive, 
right? Sin is progressive. Sexual immorality is progressive. We see this because the world, Satan, is raging against what is considered holy and sanctified by the Lord. So the world is going to tell you to have sex and a lot of it with as many people as you can because that is where you gain fulfillment. And that is a lie from the pit. I had one pastor, um, we talked at a sex talk, and it was a series, and it was about a three-week series, and it was a church that I, I feel that um, I really developed my relationship with the Lord with. I gave my life as a, as a very young child, I guess, but, but I was never serious about my faith. I was kind of saved under this umbrella of my parents' faith that I went to church every week and that I was spoken into consistently, but I didn't understand in a real way what the relationship with the Lord meant. So anyways, back to the story. So, so he said, the world has sex in one dimension. <laughs> he said he had sex in one dimension, and that's the physical, right? But he has sex in three-dimensional. He has three-dimensional sex, right? This mind, this body, this spirit. I'm telling you that sex inside of marriage is something that is holy and blessed by the Lord is so much beyond what is sex outside of it. Or it should be, if it's honoring the Lord. We can get into to what sex outside of a marriage does to within, within uh, the marriage setting and, and how things need to be repented and there has to be honesty, there has to be realness between a man and a wife. There has to be an openness to delve into those issues because you are combining, you are becoming one flesh and one spirit right? So, so, I don't know if I should go there. Um, <laughs> um, but, but I wanted to talk about the, the, the progression, really, and, 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 and really the, the deep-seated evil that is within the lusting of our eyes. If you have the opportunity, I would, I would read, if you guys know who Ted Bundy is, um, this is, this is something when, when, when I struggled and I was coming out of my porn addiction, that, that this is something that kind of scared me straight in a lot of the words, and it was my, it, it was my pursuit of, of Jesus ultimately. But this story was harrowing, and it struck me to the core when I was in college and, and everyone else around me was doing it, right? So Ted Bundy is, is, is mass murder, essentially. He's killed... Um, convicted of, I think it was 26 murders of women, and, and it was probably estimated to be about 50 women. And he was, um, he was put to death in 1989. But, and you can actually watch a live, and, and I recommend just reading it because it's, it's kind of harrowing listening to him, but um, this idea of, of where it started, and he can't believe what he did, even in the midst of him doing these grotesque things, he was almost an out-of-body experience he didn't feel like that was him, but the thing is he had gone so far that these were, these were the actions that he was taking and, 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 and it, it spiraled out of control, but really it was out of, and he didn't blame that. He didn't blame his out-of-body experience, but, but he said he can root it back to the first experience with porn when he was 13 and how that progressively grew, and it grew as he fed it more and more, and it got darker and deeper and darker and deeper to where, where it became painful, and it, it, the pursuit of, of hurting someone 
And it wasn't just about watching it. It, it, it transversed into actually doing it himself. And, and, and it's a progression and it's evil and it's dark. And this is where the devil, Satan, would want to tell you and where will want to take you rather. But the thing is, is that he found Jesus in the midst of prison. And he said, this is, this is what I deserve, and I understand that when I said earlier that this is a sin directly against your body, that there, you have to understand that sex and sexual immorality is the one sin that is most definitely going to have ramifications on this earth. You may be forgiven, you may be healed, your heart may be healed, but it, you, you're going to experience the cause and effect. You're going to reap what you sow, essentially, by these world standards. And not that you're not forgiven, but, but this is a very deep sin. And, and Ted Bundy, as, as he kind of closes, he says, I, I, want you, I don't want you to misunderstand me that, that I'm not blaming my pornography for what I did. But it led me on a path to pursue darkness to which I never could come back from. Where's your intent? Where's your heart? It can, it can lead you down this road. And, and, and I want you to understand that, 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 again, this is not condemning. This is not a way to, 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 to bark at you that you should abstain from sexual immorality. I get it. I was there. I, I, I partook in it as I, took, as, I, as I talked about last time. Um, but there, there's forgiveness. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Right? And, and, and my pursuit of the Lord has caused me to come out of those things, has caused me to come out of those things. And, and as we look, we understand the pursuit, and, and we're going into a, a different kind of variance. And, and, and as I said before, the first eight chapters, there's like so much going on in my head that I learned this week that it's hard to consolidate everything that I learned. <laughs> and, and we can literally delve into it, and, and, and it would be... It would be deep and it would be thick and there would be there would be a lot and and maybe that's something we look to in the future but as we look to verse nine and I get to my second point your testimony lies within your everyday life your testimony lies within your everyday life the way in which you live right so it says but but concerning brotherly love you have no need that I should write to you for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. You yourselves are taught by God to love one another. This is something that we are created with this innate sense that, that we are to love one another. That's, that's easy, right? That seems simple. But as a testimony, as, as, as you are a follower of Christ, this isn't so simple because the way in which it is preached here, the way, it is, the way in which it is written here is that it's countercultural. See, Thessalonica was, was a, a port town, as, as I said before, and Marcus said before, and it's just kind of this cluster and this melting pot, but it's mostly Greek, and there's Roman, and, and, and essentially to, to work was to be poor. And the less you work and the less you served, the more rich you were. This is the perspective that they had. So, so a call to work, a call to action, a call to, to love one another is kind of like, well, I don't want to do that because then I'm the lowest of the low, right? But, but again, I, I go back to Matthew 5, 40 through 42, and this is when Jesus um, is going, it's after the Beatitudes, and is talking about the eye for an eye, but this is um, basically directing towards serving your brother and to serving as a testimony, your walk with Christ um, lived out. 
And it says, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So this is, this is, this is a call to action, essentially, as you, as you endeavor to, to, to love one another that you are called to a higher standard, not, not to, to just do what is expected of you, to, but to do beyond that. It says we walk the extra mile. You go the extra mile. It's cliche. We've heard that before. But as Christians, we honor the Lord when, when we take that extra step, when we're in the environment of a work setting, when we're in the environment of a, of a school setting or a family setting. You do above and beyond what is expected to you because that is honoring to the Lord, right? And, and, and again, this is this urge, this is this push um, in verse 10 as we see, and indeed you do so towards all brethren who are in Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. This is, again, this idea to abound, abound more and more, to increase more and more, to not just stay where you're at right now, to not be sufficient, to not just be okay with where you're at spiritually right now, but there's a calling to more than that. A spiritual maturity is something that will never obtain fully in this life, in this physical life. It's something that is an ongoing process. Verse 11, that you should also aspire to live a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hand as we commanded you, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside, and that you may lack nothing. Kind of, it seems interesting, but that you should aspire to a quiet life. It's a life away from distraction. It's not a life of of not proclaiming the, the word of God. But it, it's, it's a quiet life to where, to where you're not inundated by everything else that is going on in the outside world, but you are, you are honing in where the Lord wants you in your relationship with the Lord to mind your own business and to work with your own hands. And that's, again, speaking to the common culture of that day and, and to abstain from working because that is considered poor, it is considered lowly, it is considered not worth my time but it's a call to work and that we are all called to work. There's also this movement that we saw in Thessalonica where where Christians were just leaving their work altogether and I'm just going to follow Jesus and I'm just going to be hippy-dippy and and, and be serving and, and, you know, people are going to take care of me. The Lord's going to take care of me. Not to say that he wouldn't do that, but the, the idea is that you shouldn't be a burden to anyone. Right? You're striving as as a Christian when 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 you go out to work. <sighs> To not make your life a testimony that is cumbersome to anyone else. Because where's the testimony in that? When, when people see you, they roll their eyes. Oh, there's that guy. There's, there's Johnny. You know, there's that Christian guy again who wants all my time and all my money and just wants to complain and just wants to work or doesn't want to work and just wants me to give him a handout. Right? Are we, are we called to more than that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't be a burden to anyone. This is the, this is the point, that you, are, that you are working hard and that you should work in such a way that honors the Lord so you are going above and beyond, that you put your head down, you keep moving your feet, and you trust in the Lord. You're going to get ridiculed. You're going to get beat up. The, the Word promises that. And you are, you are blessed because of that, Right? 
that you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you are may that you may lack nothing this idea of lacking nothing but also this idea of properly towards walking properly towards those who are outside this idea is how are, how are you going to express christianity how are you going to relay the message of the gospel if your testimony is lazy if your testimony is 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 not hard working and it's it's not again this isn't this isn't law. This is just out of, out of our closeness with Jesus. This is something that manifests within us. This is something that, that, that we want to honor the Lord day in and day out, even if no one's watching, even if it is the lowest place, even if it is serving at someone's feet. You do it with the best of your ability because it honors the Lord and it glorifies the Lord. And because you're consistent in that, you bring honor to the Lord and, and your testimony is made, made clear to those who could see, those who can see it, right? And, and, and so we, we see this perspective of testimony and, and that applies to sexual purity and, and, and abstaining from sexual um, immorality and also the way in which we live day in and day out and to love our, our, our brothers above and beyond what is expected of us, right? So this is all kind of comes to our testimony, but for what purpose? It's our relationship with the Lord. And, 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 and there's a comfort in that. And this is my third point, to live a life with eternal perspective. To live a life with eternal perspective. And, and kind of the last 13 through 18 is kind of this, 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 this idea. And I know Mark is kind of chomping at the bit at this. <laughs> as um, it's, it's the story of, of the, Jesus coming back. And, and you have to understand that Paul and his followers lived as if Jesus was coming back soon, like tomorrow soon. So he was telling everybody he knew about it, and he was going out into the world and saying, Jesus is coming back soon, and why, why aren't we living that way? Well, it's been 2,000 years, so. You see the fulfillment of, of, of the prophecies of, of Jesus when he came, was, was hundreds of years after they were prophesied, right? And multiple prophecies that he fulfilled was way after the fact, and he fulfilled them in a way that was not, was not expected, right? This is, this is the power of Jesus. And, and so as, as we, we see the prophecies of the second coming, we should expect the same, that it's not the way that we expect it to be. No one knows the time or the hour, Right? We can delve into that. But I do, verse 13, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Asleep is a common term that, that was used in um, identifying the dead. Uh, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Lest you sorrow as, as others who have no hope. So for people that don't believe in Christ Jesus, that there is no eternity, that there is no afterlife, their sorrow is going to be deeper than that of our own because we know if that they are a follower of Christ that they are going to their reward, right? This, this idea of, of, of falling asleep is, 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 is it's their bodies have died, but their spirits haven't. And, and, and you see... Um, it's interesting, even even in the original, the the word of cemetery um, is 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 a dormitory or a place of rest. It's not a place of, of final death, right? It's this idea that you have fallen asleep spiritually, and this was before Christ, 
It's, it's different as, as we, we can go into the covenants and we can go into Jesus fulfilling the covenants. But, but I want you to understand he's speaking to that damn time um, to those who have fallen asleep. And that when we go into verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So the dead are with Jesus. And because just because we come after the fact that they have already died does not put us in front of the line, right? It does not put us in front of the line. As we see in 15, for, we, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an arch angle. Arch, gosh, I am so dyslexic, guys. I apologize. <laughs> I can't even tell you. It is so hard. I like blow up these words so that they're like, this, this Bible is just ridiculous. I'm not saying the actual Bible, but I can, I can barely read it without stumbling over my words. Um, and even when they're blown up, I'm <laughs> um, <laughs> The voice of an archangel. There you go. Angle. That's weird. Um, and <laughs> with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. Will rise first. Then we are, who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Thus we shall always believe, be with the Lord. It's this idea that, that Jesus is coming soon, that, that we are going to spend eternity with him, that this life is not about our own satisfaction, that we are to live a life sold out for Christ. If we truly call ourselves Christians, Christ followers, we have to understand that we are dead to ourselves, that we are dead to our, our own selfish ambition, but we are alive to Christ and what he has for us and what he wants for us, for his glory and his glory alone, right? But, but know that, that this moment, this, this, these bodies that we have are only one element of our being. That we, that, we are, that we are spirit as well and that our spirit lives on even though that our bodies die. And understanding that our testimony here on this earth is more important than what you think you need out of it. Because ultimately, we live a life in a way to bring glory to the Lord, to edify the Lord, to bring testimony so that more would understand the gospel. And not to say that you yourselves are saving people, but it's the Lord using you to bring them to salvation. See, we have this eternal perspective, and, and, um, and, and we want to take comfort in this promise, this promise that, 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 that Jesus is coming soon. But you have to understand that this is not a, a condemnation for the life that you've lived thus far. It's a call to action. It's a call to action. It's a call to, to repentance. It's a call to, to love and, 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 and Jesus asking you for a deeper relationship. I promise every relationship that you have, you'll gain understanding if you're closer with the Lord. Whether that be a significant other, a family member, a friend, or your enemy. See, see, there, there are many ways to, abs- like I didn't give you an actual way to abstain from sexual impurity, but, 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 but really, 
but really there, there are multiple ways and there's seven step guides and blah, 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 blah. You can find it on the internet of different things to do and, and, and have, have web, web browser, you know, uh, blocking content. Um, what is that called? You know what I'm talking about. Um, what? Covenant eye, sure. Biblically, yes. I was um, thinking more in a computer setting. Um, but that, you know, that applies too. <laughs> it's, a, it's a computer program, right? It's a new one, right? It's for Mac? Okay. Um, anyways. Um, but but there, 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 there are ways to flank it, and there are ways to, to, to understand that it's not just a, a thing between you and the Lord, but it's by confession of your mouth that you should be forgiven, but it's by confession of, um, to your brothers that you should be healed. There is healing and confession to your brothers. There is healing and confession to people that, that you can trust. This is why it's so important to, to, to surround yourselves with those people that you take fellowship with that have those, those same ideals, those same beliefs that are equally yoked. And I'm not just talking about you know, a romantic relationship, but also in your friends. Have those core group of guys, core group of women around you that you can confess your sin to, that can help you work through. And it's not just the, the job of the, the, the physical church of like God speak these walls or the people, the leaders here, but it's the job of you as the church. As you encourage others in the spirit, as you encourage others in, in their transgressions and, and how to get out of it and you, you can be their accountability. See, that's being the body of Christ. That's having testimony of Christ. And it's not just being, hey, I sinned. Yeah, me too. Okay, good job. Try again next week but understanding the, the depth of your sin and what that does. As I call the, the worship team up, um, again, I just, I just want to hit this home. Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm not, I'm not saying that... that I'm not, I'm not going to give you a turn or burn message. I don't know your story. I don't know your life. I don't know your struggles. I don't know your sin. I don't know the depth of your transgression. And to be honest, it's none of my business. If I don't know you on a personal level, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to seek you out and condemn you. Because I know that we're all guilty of it. And, and let me tell you, I'm, I'm one of the worst. And yet the Lord has forgiven me. Yet the Lord has called me pure. Yet the Lord is within me through the Holy Spirit. He has forgiven me. I am made pure even though I, sh- I struggle in my flesh. I am made pure. It's not that I can taint my purification with my sin <laughs> because my body is no longer mine. It's Christ who lives within me. And now, now it's like <laughs> I've, I've wept in, in the thought of, of actually getting married. In the thought of, of, of um, loving, loving this woman and experiencing love in such a deeper way that the Lord blesses and that the Lord rejoices in. I, I can't explain to you. For those, for those of you who aren't married yet, you don't, you don't understand yet, but, but trust me, hold out. Hold on, pursue Jesus and follow and, and fall in love with someone who pursues Jesus as well. I'm not saying marriage is going to be easy by any means, but it's the depth of it. You're going to see fulfillment in it, fulfillment that you would never get from anywhere else in all these temptations.
So there's no condemnation, but it's a call to repentance and it's a recall to Jesus. It's a call to Jesus. And <laughs> I guess it was a little shorter than I thought today. Um, but, I, but I want to take this time as, as we, we endeavor to, to have communion with the Lord and it's such a personal, intimate thing that we have with the Lord and we're taking the body and we're taking the blood and, and we're, we're understanding the, the symbolic nature of what that means. And I, and I talked about this in September. There, there's this idea of the Lord passing the cup and giving you the, this, this cup as kind of an asking you know, will you marry me? My, my bride, I'm going to bleed for you. Will you respond in this? Knowing in the, in the midst of that ask, the depth of where I've come from, the depth of my depravity, every time that I've sinned against him, every time that I've committed adultery, not just to my wife, but to Jesus. So get right with the Lord. Take time to pray with one another or pray by yourself. And know that the Lord loves you and that if you call yourself a Christian, you are pure. Hold on to that. Dig into that. I love you guys. I'm going to close up with prayer. Father in heaven, we are so unworthy to be in your midst. Father, we are so unworthy to have you within us. Father, I know that you do not come with a condemning spirit, but, but nevertheless, this, this, this world is ruled by the law set in place. And, and Jesus did not come to, to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, Lord. And I pray as, as we strive to, to honor you, we strive to understand you, we strive to, to love you and have a relationship with you, Father, that it would not be an obligation for us to, to, to follow these rules, to follow these lies that, we, that I, 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 I rebuke the enemy in saying that, that you are missing out on something by not partaking in this sin, Father. But, but, but I pray that the reality of the fulfillment in you would be ever so more present today, right now, in our relationship as you call us to a deeper relationship with you, Lord. We thank you, we love you, we praise you. Amen.